Welcome to the Paranormal Factor Podcast. I'm your host, Richard Wright. Thanks for stopping by. This is the place to explore mysteries, investigate the otherworldly, and share stories of the inexplicable and the strange. You see, within the realm of our daily, ordinary lives, there is a paranormal factor always waiting to reveal itself. So let's begin exploring together the truly weird. Welcome, listeners, and thanks for stopping by. She calls out in the night, a mournful cry, and begins weeping. For good reason, say the legends, for she murdered her children, drowned them herself, as the story goes. And there's something very evil about her, about her motives. You see, it would seem she's not done. She seeks out the innocent children of others to take as her own, to meet her in the dark waters. This is La Llorona, the apparition known as the Weeping Woman. La Llorona is a legend staple in North and South America, and it's been around for a very long time. We're not entirely sure what La Llorona is on a basic level. She may be a ghost or a phantasm or possibly a dark entity fully capable of taking physical form. She could be demonic. Mother, murderer, and ultimately monster, the tale of La Llorona has surfaced many times throughout history ranging from the mysterious jungles of South America to the harsh deserts of northern Mexico, eventually making its way to the American Southwest, where a newfound fascination with the legend has taken root thanks to the integration of Mexican-American culture along the borderlands. In Latin America, in Spanish-speaking communities in the U.S., and especially in Mexico, no ghost story is told as often, discussed as enthusiastically, or interpreted as widely as the legend of La Llorona. La Llorona has even been reported as far north as Montana on the banks of the Yellowstone River. La Llorona literally means the weeping woman, so it's not surprising that the main characteristic shared by all stories of La Llorona is that she weeps and cries. Other than that one defining trait, the specter known as La Llorona varies widely. Many stories are told of what she looks like and what she does, and even more are told of how she came to be such a mournful spirit. A varied selection of La Llorona stories can be found in news accounts and across the internet. You can also find many collected in books such as The Weeping Woman, Encounters with La Llorona by Judith Beatty. Looking through such stories, you'll find many variations. Sometimes La Llorona sees you from afar and pursues you terrifying you as you flee toward your home. Sometimes she appears riding a horse. Sometimes she appears in your horse-drawn wagon or in your car, warning you against bad behavior, before disappearing, just like that other famous ghost, the vanishing hitchhiker. In some stories, an encounter with her is fatal. La Llorona is often closely associated with children. In some stories, she is said to wail for her own lost or dead children, in many of these stories, she killed her own children when she was alive and is doomed for her actions to be a wandering ghost. In other stories, she appears mainly to women who have children, while in still others, she kidnaps children who are never 
seen again. The legend of La Llorona has been a part of Hispanic culture in the Southwest since the days of the conquistadors. The tall, thin spirit is said to be blessed with natural beauty and long, flowing black hair. She wears a white gown or slip and roams the rivers and creeks, wailing into the night and searching for children to drag, screaming, to a watery grave. The common thread to this story, and its many iterations, is that she is the spirit of a doomed mother who drowned her children and spends eternity now searching for them in rivers and lakes. By most traditions, the ghost of La Llorona is feared. She is said to be vengeful, and as previously noted, she is fully capable of seizing the children of others to drown in place of her own. However, by other traditions, she is a warning, and those who hear her wails will soon face death themselves. Sometimes she is seen as a disciplinary figure, appearing to children who are unkind or unmindful to their parents. Though the legends vary, the apparition is said to act without hesitation or mercy. The tales of her cruelty depends on the version of the legend you hear. Some say that she kills indiscriminately, taking men, women, and children, whoever is foolish enough to get close enough to her. Others say that she is very barbaric and kills only children, dragging them screaming into a watery grave. The main point here, she's not an entity to trifle with. La Llorona should be avoided at all costs. It is unwise to engage with her in any way, especially near water. Don't worry, we're going to get to some of those scary encounter stories you love in just a bit. But first, let's dive a little deeper into the legend and what constitutes the most familiar story of La Llorona, who she was, and what happened to her. The legend of La Llorona is traditionally told throughout Mexico and is known in Central and South America as well. However, stories of weeping female phantoms are common in the folklore of many cultures. Scholars have pointed out similarities between La Llorona and Aztec mythology as well as Eve and Lilith of Hebrew mythology. Arthur Ben Radford's investigation into the legend of La Llorona, published in Mysterious New Mexico, found common elements of the story in a German folktale dating from 1486. La Llorona also bears a resemblance to the ancient Greek tale of the demigoddess Lamia in which Hera, Zeus's wife, learned of his affair with Lamia and killed all the children Lamia had with Zeus. Out of jealousy over the loss of her own children, Lamia kills other women's children. Early colonial texts provide evidence that the lore is pre-Hispanic, originating in the Central Highlands. However, La Llorona is most commonly associated with the colonial era and the dynamic between Spanish conquistadors and indigenous women. Here, an entirely different origin story coincides with the arrival of the Spanish in America back in the 16th century. According to this version of the tale, La Llorona was actually La Malinche, a native woman who served as an interpreter, guide, and later mistress to Hernán Cortés during his conquest of Mexico. The conquistador left her after she gave birth and instead married a Spanish woman. Despised now by her own people, it is said that La Malinche murdered Cortez's offspring in vengeance. There is no evidence that the historic La Malinche killed her children or 
was exiled by her people. However, it is possible that the Europeans did bring the seeds of the legend of La Llorona from their homeland. The legend of a vengeful mother who slays her own offspring can be traced all the way back to Medea of Greek mythology, who killed her sons after being betrayed by her husband Jason. The ghostly wails of a woman warning of impending death also share similarities with the Irish banshees. English parents have long used the tale of Jenny Greenteeth, who drags children down into a watery grave to keep adventurous children away from water where they might stumble in. The Florentine Codex, an important text that originated in late Mexico in 1519, quoted, The sixth omen was that many times a woman would be heard going along weeping and shouting. She cried out loudly at night, saying, Oh, my children, we are about to go forever. Sometimes she said, Oh, my children, where am I to take you? While the roots of the La Llorona legend appear to be pre-Hispanic, the earliest published reference to the legend is a 19th century sonnet by Mexican poet Manuel Carpio. The poem makes no reference to infanticide. Rather, La Llorona is identified as the ghost of a woman named Rosalia, who was murdered by her husband. Here's how La Llorona is viewed in a few regions of the Americas. In Mexico, the legend of La Llorona is deeply rooted in Mexican popular culture. Her story told to children to encourage them not to wander off after dark, and her spirit often evoked in artwork. There is a yearly waterfront theatrical performance of the legend of La Llorona set in a borough of Mexico City, established in 1993 to coincide with the Day of the Dead. She has been connected to the Aztecs as one of ten omens predicting the conquest of Mexico or as a fearsome goddess. One such goddess is known as Snake Woman, who has been described as a savage beast and an evil omen who wears white, walks about at night, and constantly cries. Another goddess is that of the jade-skirted one, who oversaw the waters and was greatly feared because she allegedly would drown people in order to honor her, the Aztecs sacrificed children. There are theories about her story being connected to specific Aztec mythological creation stories. The Hungry Woman includes a wailing woman constantly crying for food, which has been compared to La Llorona's signature nocturnal wailing for her children. The motherly nature of La Llorona's tragedy has been compared to the Aztec goddess of motherhood. In the United States... In the southwestern United States, the story of La Llorona is told to scare children into good behavior, sometimes specifically to deter children from playing near dangerous water. Also told to them is that her cries are heard as she walks around the street or near bodies of water to scare children from wandering around, resembling other folklore stories aimed at influencing the behavior of children. In Chumash mythology, indigenous to Southern California, La Llorona is linked to the Nunasis, a mythological creature with a cry similar to that of a newborn baby. The legend is particularly dynamic among the Mexican-U.S. border towns throughout the Southwest in states like Texas, New Mexico, Arizona, and California. In Venezuela, the tale of La Llorona is set in the Venezuelan Llanos during the colonial period. La Llorona is said to be the spirit of a woman that died of sorrow after her children were killed, either by herself or by her family. Familiar elements from Mexican folklore. 
Families traditionally place wooden crosses above their doors to ward off such spirits. But let's go back to Mexico for a moment, since it is Mexico that truly carries the richest and most complete telling of the legend. The most common representation of the origin story goes like this. La Llorona, christened Maria, was born to a peasant family in a humble village. Her startling beauty captured the attention of both the rich and the poor men of the area. She was said to have spent her days in her humble peasant surroundings, but she would don her best white gown in the evenings and thrill the men who admired her in the local fandangos. The young men anxiously waited for her arrival, and she reveled in the attention that she received. However, La Llorona had two small sons who made it difficult for her to spend her evenings out and often left them alone while she cavorted with the gentlemen during the evenings. One day, the two small boys were found drowned in the river. Some say they drowned through her neglect, but others say that they may have died by her own hand. Another slightly altered telling of the story says La Llorona was a caring woman full of life and love who married a wealthy man who lavished her with gifts and attention. However, after she bore him two sons, he began to change, returning to a life of womanizing and alcohol, often leaving her for months at a time. He seemingly no longer cared for the beautiful Maria, even talked about leaving her to marry a woman of his own wealthy class. When he did return home, it was only to visit his children, and the devastated Maria began to feel resentment toward the boys. One evening, as Maria was strolling with her two children on a shady pathway near the river, her husband came by in a carriage with an elegant lady beside him. He stopped and spoke to his children, but he ignored Maria, and then drove the carriage down the road without looking back. After seeing this, something snapped in Maria, and she went into a terrible rage, and turning against her children, she seized them, and threw them into the river. As they disappeared downstream, she realized what she had done and ran down the bank to save them, but it was too late. Maria broke down into inconsolable grief, running down the streets, screaming and wailing. And this is where the legend turns horribly sad and poignant. The beautiful La Llorona mourned them day and night. During this time, she would not eat, and walked along the river in her white gown searching for her boys, hoping they would come back to her. She cried endlessly as she roamed the riverbanks and her gown became soiled and torn. When she refused to eat, she grew thinner and appeared taller until she looked like a walking skeleton. Still a young woman, she finally died on the banks of the river. Not long after her death, her restless spirit began to appear, walking the banks of the Santa Fe River when darkness fell. Her weeping and wailing became a curse of the night, and people began to be afraid to go out after dark. She was said to have been seen drifting between the trees along the shoreline or floating on the current with her long white gown spread out upon the waters. On many a dark night, people would see her walking along the riverbank and crying for her children. And so, they no longer spoke of her as Maria, but rather La Llorona, the weeping woman. Though this is the most common telling of the legend, there are other variations. 
Recurring themes in the variations on the La Llorona story include a white wet dress, nocturnal wailing, and that ever-present association with water. The constants of the legend are also the dead children and a wailing woman either as a human or ghost. What tends to vary is the story of why and how she killed her children, and the actual appearance of La Llorona. One variation states that Maria asked a vaquero to marry her, and he refused because he didn't want a wife who had children out of wedlock. She then drowned her children in an attempt to please the man. She returned to the vaquero, still wearing her bloody nightgown, to ask him if he was satisfied. The man was incredibly disturbed and abandoned her on the spot. Some say that the woman stabbed herself at the river where she drowned her children, while others say an angry mob tied her up and tossed her into the Rio Grande. Both versions of the story end with Maria becoming La Llorona. Another version of the story says that Maria got married at a grandiose stone church in Mexico and had a beautiful wedding with no charge to her family from the church. The only catch was the priest asked her to give her firstborn son to the priesthood. At first, Maria agreed enthusiastically, but when her first son was born, she kept reneging on her agreement, hoping the priest would forget. She kept having more and more children and continued to go back on her agreement with the church. In what seems to be a divine act of revenge, her home caught fire. Not only was her home completely destroyed by the fire, but her children were all killed. While Maria survived, she was badly disfigured, and her face took on a strange resemblance to that of a horse. She then came to be called the Donkey Lady by the townspeople. She spent the rest of her life wandering the rivers and creeks, mourning her loss. After her death, Maria's spirit was bound to the same rivers that she walked in life. Witnesses have seen her horribly disfigured, horse-like appearance wading through the water as she searches and shouts for her dead children. Texas has a few versions of La Llorona. Perhaps the best known is the story of Woman Hollering Creek. During the early settler days of Texas, a pioneer family was living happily near what is now San Antonio until a nearby tribe of Native Americans attacked the settler's village. After the woman saw her husband brutally murdered, she took her children to hide by the river. As the Native American warriors approached, she knew that they were likely to either be killed or taken prisoner. Remembering her husband's brutal murder, she did not want her children to suffer a similar fate and she made a terrifying decision. She thought it would be better if she killed her own children rather than leave them to the band of warriors. Terrified, she held her children underwater, fighting every motherly instinct in her body. The children struggled as they tried to breathe, but she didn't let go until they stopped moving. When the warriors arrived, they found the woman broken and disturbed, standing over the body of her beloved children. She looked the warriors in the eyes and let out a blood-curdling scream, scaring them away. Though she survived, she was nothing without her family. The woman roamed the creek, sobbing and begging for her children until her death. Even in the afterlife, the woman wanders around the creek. Witnesses say they've heard her crying hysterically, along with her paralyzing screams, as she approaches anyone who dares to come near. They named the river Woman Hollering Creek in her honor. All of these adaptations of the basic legend have a particularly devastating consequence for children. La Llorona is said to search for other children so she can steal their souls, 
Angered and saddened by the loss of her own children, she seeks to find others to prey upon. Children that encounter La Llorona are said to have their souls taken and are said to either drown in the river or lose a loved one. A high price to pay for crossing paths with La Llorona. But beyond the legend and folklore of La Llorona, is it possible she really exists beyond the story? Is there a case for a true supernatural entity who manifests in reality? Maybe. The best case for an actual ghost or entity existing rests with the stories people tell of having actually seen or encountered La Llorona. Let's hear from some of them. Okay, you may think this weeping woman, this La Llorona, is just a story. It's a legend, just folklore. A nice spooky story like so many others out there. Slender Man, Bloody Mary, The Bride in White, and others. But of course, just a story. It's not real, it's just fantasy, tricks of light, or a mistaken lamppost. But as we heard last year in Season 1's Episode 10 about Resurrection Mary and other hitchhiking ghosts, the encounters people have had are very real to them. And that same conviction of having experienced the supernatural is evident when it comes to La Llorona. For the many people who have had direct confrontations and encounters with her, she is very real indeed. They may not know exactly what she is or what they have interacted with, be it a ghost, phantasm, or dark entity, but they do know without a doubt that they had an experience, one of contact with the unknown. When Patricio Lugan was a boy, he and his family saw her on a creek between Mora and Guadalupita, New Mexico. As the family was sitting outside talking, they saw a tall, thin woman walking along the creek. She then seemed to float over the water, started up the hill and vanished. However, just moments later, she reappeared much closer to them and then disappeared again. The family looked for footprints and, finding none, did not doubt for a moment that the woman they had seen was La Llorona. Another story involved a man by the name of Epifanio Garcia, who was an outspoken boy who often argued with his mother and his father. After a heated argument, Epifanio, along with his brothers Carlos and Augustine, decided to leave their ranch in Ojo de la Vaca to head toward the Villa Real de Santa Fe. However, when they were along their way, they were visited by a tall woman wearing a black tapelo, a scarf head covering, and a black net over her face. Two of the boys were riding in the front of the wagon when the spirit appeared on the seat between them. She was silent and continued to sit there until Epifanio finally turned the horses around and headed back home, at which time she said, I will visit you again someday when you argue with your mother. Kathy Weiser Alexander relates, During my travels to New Mexico, I visited with a very friendly Hispanic gentleman who I asked if he believed in La Llorona. He wholeheartedly confessed that he did and was very open about his cultural beliefs. However, when I asked him if he believed in ghosts, he stated that he did not. Hmm, interesting. 
In Santa Fe, New Mexico, the tall wailing spirit has been seen repeatedly in the Public Employees Retirement Association, or PARA, building, built on land that was once an old Spanish Indian graveyard and near the Santa Fe River. Many people who have been employed there tell of hearing cries resounding through the halls and feeling unseen hands pushing them while on the stairways. It is believed this could be La Llorona due to its proximity to the river. Brandy relates the following story. My mom lived in the same house in Santa Fe, New Mexico for almost 50 years. When she was about 12 or so, she and her cousin were sitting in her bedroom, which was later to be mine, at night in the middle of winter. It had been snowing. At one point, they heard a noise outside the window. When they looked, there was a woman standing there, dressed all in white and crying. My mom and her cousin were obviously a little freaked out, and they ran out of the room to tell her mom. Her parents went outside to investigate, but they found no footprints in the freshly fallen snow. They came back inside and told her what they found, or rather what they didn't find. That scared my mom even more, and she was afraid to go back to her room. Adriana of Texas says, When I was 12 years old, my parents separated, and my mother moved me and my brother to Monterey, Mexico. In the winter, all three of us would sleep in the same room because there was no central heating, only electric heaters. There were two beds for my mother and brother. I slept on the floor in a sleeping bag next to my mother's bed. One night around 2.30 in the morning, I woke up because I had been dreaming about my great-grandmother. She kept calling my name, three times to be exact. Just a few minutes later, I heard the scariest screams coming from down the street. I know I was awake. It, it was horrible. The cries, they continued each time coming closer. I was so horrified that I couldn't even wake my mother who was laying right next to me. I was so scared, I didn't even blink. It was the most evil cry I have ever heard. Finally, it passed my house and slowly faded away. The next day, I told my mother, you know, I, I didn't believe in stuff like this, especially not La Llorona. After that night, though, I do. Patricio Lujan was a young boy in New Mexico in the 1930s when a normal day with his family in Santa Fe was interrupted by the sight of a strange woman near their property. The family watched in curious silence as the tall, thin woman, dressed in all white, crossed the road near their house without a word and headed for a nearby creek. It wasn't until she got to the water that the family realized something was very wrong. As Lujan told it years later, she just seemed to glide as if having no legs before disappearing. After reappearing at a distance far too quickly for any normal woman to have traversed, she disappeared again for good without leaving a single footprint behind. Lujan was disturbed, but knew exactly who the woman had been, La Llorona. Daisy Calderon truly believes that La Llorona is real. Here is her story. My story of La Llorona takes place in Mexico. When I was eight years old, when my grandma told me to go to the store to buy soda, this was during the evening as we were getting ready to eat supper. My brother and I left for the store, and along the way, we heard wailing, but we didn't pay much attention to it. However, as we continued on, we saw a young woman walking toward us. Suddenly, 
my little brother started to cry, and the woman ran toward him, acting as if she was going to get him. When we saw that she was floating instead of walking, we began to run back to our house and told our grandmother and mom what had happened. We just locked the door and started to pray to God to help us and make La Llorona go away. Maria was just a child when she encountered La Llorona. She was sleeping over at her grandmother's house. Not to be cliché, but it actually was a dark and stormy night. There was thunder and there was lightning outside. Maria was sleeping that night on the couch, but she was having trouble sleeping due to the storm. The small house had a living room and a kitchen adjacent to each other as part of one joined area. Lying on her side and facing the kitchen, she was watching the lightning through the small kitchen door's window. Suddenly, in the window, Maria saw a woman. She was dressed in white. Her wet hair hung down, obscuring her face. While Maria could not see her face clearly, she could see clearly that the woman was very obviously staring right at her. Frightened but also concerned for this woman being out in the rain and storm, she ran to her grandmother's room and, waking her, told her of the woman in white with black hair at the kitchen door. Her grandmother went pale, made the sign of the cross, and clutched Maria close to her. She told Maria to not ever speak of this woman, that she was a ghost called La Llorona, and to try and forget she ever saw her. But Maria could not forget her. Well into adulthood, she clearly remembers the stormy night she came face to face with La Llorona. One more sample of this type seems worth including. It contains many descriptions of this entity's activities and was published by Thomas Hanvier in 1906 in Harper's Magazine. It was reprinted in many newspapers, including the Washington, D.C. Evening Star on November 29, 1906. Hanvier writes, As is generally known, many bad things are met with by night in the streets of the city, but this wailing woman, La Llorona, is the very worst of them all. She is worse by far than the Vaca de Lumbre that at midnight comes forth from the Potrero of San Pablo and goes galloping through the streets like a blazing whirlwind, breathing forth from her nostrils smoke and sparks and flames, because the fiery cow, while a dangerous animal to look at, really does no harm whatever, and La Llorona is as harmful as she can be. Seeing her walking quietly along the quiet street, at the times when she is not running and shrieking for her lost children, she seems a respectable person, only odd-looking because of her white slip and the white shawl with which her head is covered, and anybody might think to speak to her. The beginning of her was so long ago that no one knows when the beginning was, nor does anyone know anything about her at all, but it is known certainly that at the beginning of her, when she was a living woman, she committed bad sins. As soon as ever a child was born to her, she would throw it into one of the canals which surround the city, and so would drown it, and she had a great many children, and the practice in regard to them she continued for a very long time. At last, her conscience began to prick her about what she did with her children, and she began to go through the streets in the darkness, weeping and wailing. And presently it was said that, from night till morning there was a wailing woman in the streets, and to see her, being in terror of her, many people went forth at midnight, but none did see her because she could be seen only when the street was deserted and she was alone. 
Sometimes she would come to a sleeping watchman, and she would wake him by asking, What time is it? And he would see a woman clad in white standing beside him with her shawl drawn over her face. And he would answer, It is twelve hours of the night. And she would say, At twelve hours of this day I must be in Guadalajara. Or it might be in San Luis Potosi, or in some other far distant city. And so speaking, she would shriek bitterly, Where shall I find my children? And would vanish instantly and utterly away. And the watchman would feel as though all his senses had gone from him and would become as a dead man. This happened many times to many watchmen who made report of it to their officers, but their officers would not believe what they told. What is most amazing about this wailing woman is that she is seen in the same moment by different people in places widely apart, one seeing her hurrying across the atrium of the cathedral, another beside the Arcos, and yet another near the prison. More than that, in one single night she will be seen in Monterey and in Acapulco, the whole width and length of the land apart, and whoever speaks with her in those far cities immediately dies in fright. Because the Wailing Woman is so generally known and so greatly feared, few people now stop her when they meet with her to speak with her. Therefore few now die of her, and this is fortunate. But her loud, strong wailings and the sound of her running feet are often heard, and especially in nights of storm. I myself have heard the running of her feet and her wailings, but I never have seen her. God forbid that I ever shall. So what do the skeptics say? Well, exactly what you would expect, or perhaps exactly what you may be thinking yourself. As with much of folklore, the story may have begun as a mundane event and gained embellishments as time went on, growing into the La Llorona legend we know today. It may have been appropriated from earlier legends, some of those we heard earlier, and repeated. Or it might have originally just been a made-up story to frighten people, especially children, to enforce desired behavior. We certainly cannot discount the value it has as a cautionary tale for both parents and children. For parents, the extreme example of infanticide contained in the legend sends a chilling reminder of caring for one's children and protecting them from such horrors. For children, as the tale is wielded by concerned parents, it sends a frightening reminder to stay away from strangers, listen to and mind your parents, and in a very practical way, to stay away from dangerous dark waters when you are alone. And Yet we must come back to accounts of those who have allegedly really seen La Llorona. People are certain they have encountered her. For them, these are very real events. Their experiences are authentic and emotionally felt. Unlike a bad dream that fades in just a few days or weeks, these encounters stay with the experiencers forever. They are not forgotten, and they often retain the emotional resonance of the original event. And how many have seen her that we don't know about? How many have walked along the water's edge and hearing a soft weeping sound, turned around to be confronted by La Llorona, and then to never be seen again? Noted American folklorist and researcher Bess Lomax Hawes noted there are a variety of views on La Llorona. Hawes described the many faces, literal and figurative, worn by La Llorona. La Llorona typically appears as a malevolent spirit, either a harbinger or a direct cause of misfortune to the living, 
Sometimes she takes the form of a dangerous siren, tempting a solitary male late at night by confronting him as a pitiful, woebegone figure hidden under a shawl. When offering assistance, she turns on the solicitous gentleman, the face of a skeleton or no face at all. Sometimes she is observed simply roaming about at a distance, or most typically she is heard weeping and shrieking through the night. A chance meeting with her is dangerous. In Tucson, folklorist Jim Griffith has heard many versions of this story and says La Llorona is real. She's real to the extent that you can judge reality by whether or not it influences people's decisions, Griffith said. Griffith said the story is a cautionary tale used by different people for different reasons. He noted it changes according to the teller, the audience, and the community. It's probably easier for the parent and maybe easier on the child later on to talk about a mythical scary lady than it is to talk about a child rapist, for example, Griffith said. You're substituting a scary thing for a terrifying thing. He noted, real or not, she remains a powerful figure in Arizona. Camille Acosta heard about La Llorona from several family members while growing up, and this is the story that stuck with her the most. When she was earning her master's degree in folklore at Western Kentucky University, Camille decided to do research on La Llorona and collected stories from her family and others. She presented them with fascinating interview material and her own perceptive interpretations in her master's thesis. Acosta wrote, No two individuals view La Llorona in the same way. For example, the children I interviewed mostly saw La Llorona as a ghostly apparition, more than willing to instill fear in young ones who misbehave. For the young adults, including myself, there was description of La Llorona not just as a ghost, but as a monster making us feel isolated from normalcy. For my parents, however, La Llorona wavered from being a mother with the world on her shoulders to a key for escaping the harsh realities of life through abstention. Every single informant viewed La Llorona as a unique and personalized character in their own minds, and she makes the important point. La Llorona is not only a reflection of our innermost fears, but she is the living, breathing proof that we can overcome them as well. Her narrative passed down for centuries is a reminder that our voices are being listened to and acknowledged. La Llorona is understood more and more each and every day, and in a way, so are we. For centuries, the name has instilled fear whispered in the darkest corners of the forest and lingering on the lips of children who have been warned time and time again what happens to those who are naughty or wander too far from the safety of home, where the ghost of La Llorona waits. Believe it or not, this is no simple fairy tale, no campfire story. What makes La Llorona, what makes La Llorona, different from the others is that she wasn't some mythical creature born of the imagination of man. She was a person, a wife, a daughter, a mother of two, a flesh and blood woman with hopes and dreams and a family she loved, not unlike the devoted parents who have come to fear her. Simply put, she was one of us, until she wasn't. What turned La Llorona from just another face in the crowd to the subject of many of our nightmares was one simple act. A deed so tragic that it is unforgettable, so heinous 
that it is unforgivable, the cruel, heartless murder of her very own children, the most heinous of crimes, the ultimate sin. It so happened that her one true love broke her heart, fracturing her mind, making her an outcast in her own community. Racked with the agony of his unfaithfulness, she became bent on revenge, paying him back in the most horrific way imaginable, leading their children down to the water and drowning them both, one after the other. A truly selfish act for La Llorona that offered just one final consolation. So disgusted at the sight of what she had done, she decided to follow right after them, taking her own life in those very same waters. An easy way out, for sure, but the only way for her to avoid the shattered reality she had created and wrap up this horrible tale of love and loss and a mother's betrayal. If only the story were that simple. The truth is, she never really left. La Llorona still haunts our mortal realm, a divine punishment for the lives she took. Her spirit, trapped for eternity, now roams the waterways crying, wailing, searching desperately for her lost children or any other unfortunate souls who might tempt fate and happen across her path. Sometimes she can only be heard, her wails so hopeless, so shrill, that they are mistaken for the cries of a lost or endangered child luring unsuspecting victims into her waiting arms. But, more often than not, she is seen at night, dressed all in white with long black hair falling over her face, standing at the forest's edge. She beckons to lone children, making false promises, luring them past the tree line and toward the water, replaying her sins over and over for the rest of time. The legend of La Llorona has a complicated past, transcending the history books and transforming itself into the ghostly tale we know today. It is certainly not for the faint of heart, but it has nonetheless become deeply rooted in popular culture, spreading past its Mexican borders as more and more reports of weeping women in white start to surface from all corners of the world. So, if you find yourself alone at night, walking at the lake's edge, or along the banks of a slow-moving river. Remember to tell yourself that if you hear the sound of a weeping woman, it might not just be your imagination. Death may be stalking you in the form of La Llorona. Do not turn around to look. Just run before it's too late. And now it's time for the episode quiz. Indeed, it is time for the episode quiz. And it's also time to make my weekly pitch for you to go out to the Facebook page because that is where you're going to find the quiz every day on Tuesday. And every Monday is Monster Monday where we highlight a monster for you. Wednesdays, we like to highlight a paranormal book or film. And Thursdays, we try to give you some recent paranormal news from out there in the world. So please go out to the Facebook page if you get a chance and look at the content, I think you're really going to like it. There's there's a lot of content out there. And you can find it by just going to Facebook and searching for The Paranormal Factor Podcast. So let's get on to our quiz. This week's quiz is The Van Meter Visitor Came Out of What? If you listen to our episode last season on The Van Meter Visitor, you'll know this one. 
The Van Meter visitor came out of what? Is it A, a grave, B, an abandoned house, C, an old mine, or D, a swamp? Once again, the Van Meter visitor came out of what? Was it a grave, an abandoned house, an old mine, or a swamp? And the answer is C, an old mine, is correct. Over the course of five nights in September and October of 1903, several of Van Meter, Iowa's most upstanding citizens reported seeing a half-human, half-animal creature with enormous bat wings fly above the city. Van Meter, Iowa lies about 20 miles west of Des Moines. At the time of the incident, the Midwest town had a population of only about 400 people. Multiple people reported seeing this nearly nine-foot-tall creature. It flew overhead and jumped from rooftop to rooftop at incredible speeds, releasing a horrendous stench. All the while, it shot bolts of light from a horn on its forehead. That sounds absolutely horrifying. Fed up with the menace, a group of townsfolk banded together one evening and pursued the creature to an abandoned coal mine. Much like the pitchfork and torch gatherings of villagers in an old horror movie, back then townsmen were not averse to taking up arms and forming a posse. So, to the northwest side of Van Meter they charged, near the old brickyard, where J.L. Pratt Jr. heard a noise down by the abandoned coal mine. Presently, the noise opened up again, as though Satan and a regiment of imps were coming forth for battle, according to an article in the Des Moines Daily News on October the 3rd, 1903. There they confronted not one, but two of these beasts emerging from the old abandoned mine. In a flash of light and leaving behind an odor that left those in attendance stunned, reports said, the two creatures flew away to escape the crowd, flying away from the mine to parts unknown. The men speculated, correctly as it turned out, that the creatures would surely return to the mine, so they set up and waited through the night to ambush them when they returned. Sure enough, around dawn, the creatures winged their way back to the mine. The men opened fire with a terrible barrage of gunfire. The two creatures did not seem to take much notice. There was reported to be an unearthly noise and peculiar odor from the beasts. However, both creatures turned and disappeared back down into the gloom of the mine as the men continued to fire with no effect. Once they descended to the mine, the men got to work. They sealed the creatures inside the mine, and the two gargoyle-like beasts were never seen again. But that doesn't mean other similar creatures have been absent or gone unnoticed in our world today. For more on the Van Meter Visitor and Real Gargoyle Eyewitness Accounts, check out Season 1, Episode 6. In our next episode of the Paranormal Factor podcast, we look into dark tales about mermaids. You may know about the old seafaring legends and heard of the mythology of the sirens luring ancient mariners to their doom. Or maybe you even just watched The Little Mermaid for the 20th time with your children. But that's not what we're talking about, dear listener. Oh, no. We're talking about real mermaids and mermen that have been the subject of frightening and dangerous encounters. You won't want to miss it. Dark Tales of Mermaids. No pun intended.
Well, that'll do it for this episode. A theme song is Knockers by Cinco, courtesy of Upbeat Music. Hey, before you leave, if you could, please do me just two favors. First of all, if you did enjoy the show, please leave a like on your favorite listening application. And secondly, if you liked what you heard, please spread the word. Love to have some new listeners out there to join you. I'm your host, Richard Wright. Keep your eyes open for the unusual folks, and thanks for stopping by.